Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies arrive, everything around them is new. Their environment, the way other people act. And so as parents, they look to us to explain it all. And sometimes it's not that easy. It's a hard one to know what to say to your, to your kids about it, to be honest. It's been tricky because it's sort of been everywhere and she's three and a half years old and she understands that something's happened. Oh, very difficult to... Um to try and explain it to a child of an age that could understand that, you know, this terrible thing's happened and I wouldn't know where to start, to be honest. I live in Christchurch myself and when this unbelievable thing happened, when a gunman came here and killed 50 people, like so many other parents, I was propelled into a situation where I had to say something to my kids. Looking back now, I guess I'm wondering if I got it right. Children need to know what they need to know. In this case, they need to know that something scary happened, that the grown-ups all did what they were supposed to do, that um, some people got hurt, and that we're loving and supporting the people who got hurt to help them get through this experience. This is Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist, with me today to reflect upon what we've been telling our children about all of this. I'm not trying to simplify that in terms of trying to minimise that, but I'm simplifying it in the fact that actually for a little person, you know, we can't gloss over this and say, oh, it doesn't matter, because it does matter. So it's about trying to tread a path between explaining to our children that, yes, a really bad thing happened, but you are now safe, and helping them to try and move on. We don't want to stay in that risk place or that scary place for so long that they think, actually, does that mean I'm unsafe today? Because as we know, if the alarm system's going off all the time, that gets in the way of doing life and learning and thriving. So it's getting that balance right. This episode, the first of two parts, is about how we process what's happened with our kids. And most of us will do that a bit differently. Our children need support through this experience, but what the support looks like is going to be different depending on the child, the family and their experience. And of course there's some good solid information out there that's important to keep in mind. But if anyone, including us professionals, is offering you definites about what to do and what to expect, although this might feel reassuring, it probably isn't that helpful and in fact can be harmful as we can start to doubt ourselves if our child does not fit into this mould. So we should still trust our own instincts? Absolutely. And I do, by and large, trust my instincts. But of course, as humans, we always want to know what other people have done. And so I've come here to the National Remembrance Day in Hagley Park to find out how other parents have approached this with their children. So what we ended up saying was um, that there was a person who was really angry and, um, and she hated people and he hurt people. She understands that there's 
a number of people who died and it's very sad, but also that she's safe and that we're here. It's, it's been challenging though. He asked because he'd heard that a gun was involved and he said were people killed and we said yes. And then he wanted to know how many. And I personally felt like it wasn't okay to put a number on it for him because I felt, because he's seven, that 50, he really knows that that's a big number. Normally, around now, I like to throw in some archival audio to compare how whatever parenting issue we're covering was dealt with by our grandparents. And you know, I'd love to say that there is no precedent for what's happened here in Christchurch, but in 1990, David Gray killed 13 people in the small Otago settlement of Aramoana. We'll talk more about that in part two. And almost 50 years before that, in 1941, Stan Graham shot and killed seven people, including four policemen, on the South Island's west coast. It was in 1941 when Stanley made his name By shooting four policemen who from Hokitika came it would seem unlikely, and in fact probably a pretty unpopular move, for the perpetrator of the mosque killings to be immortalised in song and folklore, as has happened with Stan Graham. Most people are instead choosing to remember the names of the victims who lost their lives. In my family, we went to lay flowers at the Linwood Mosque and at the Botanic Gardens. We watched and listened to media coverage, although not too much. That message that, you know, to show support, to show communal spirit means you have to be part of all of these public outpourings can be a bit of a dangerous message because if that's not what your tolerance is going to allow for, then you can be there because you think you should, but it's not actually good for you. And of course some people may already have seen too much. I'm talking about the video of the mosque shootings which has been circulating online. The footage has been classified by the Chief Censors Office as objectionable and people found in possession of it or sharing it could face imprisonment. But some young people have already been exposed to it. I've actually had parents say to me that they've sat down and watched the video with their kids to try and support them through that process. If you hadn't worked this out, this is a really inappropriate thing to do because there's nothing about this video that's helpful for the kid to see. But what do you do if your kids have already seen it or you suspect that they have? Catherine Gallagher recommends a kind of drop-and-run technique whereby you introduce the topic and let them know it's okay to talk about it, but temper that with a bit of reassurance. It's that I'm wondering, you know, or I've heard a lot of kids have seen this, or I'm, you know, I know that you've seen it. Um, I'm not angry, I'm not upset that you've seen it. It made sense that you're curious about it. Um, is there any worries that you're having because of watching it? and let them know it's okay to feel a range of emotions about what they've seen. Even raising that issue with them about, you know, I've heard that some kids have kind of thought, you know, it was a bit surreal and it was a bit like a game. So I feel a bit guilty that I kind of watched it and was interested in it. And now I know what it actually was. I feel really horrible about having watched that and kind of had that reaction. So all of those responses are completely normal. So a big part of our job is to normalise, to, to validate the child. And it might offer some guidance for what they choose to look at in the future. It could become a really important learning moment. So this probably won't be the only time you do see something that unsettles you on the internet. So what were the clues that it was not okay to watch it? And and what did you feel about it? So what might be the clues and what might you do about things in the future? If you see them and you're not comfortable. Okay, how about we have a rule with each other that 
if you ever see anything that's uncomfortable, I'm, you're not going to get in trouble. You can come and tell me and we'll, we'll sort it out together. And questions are likely to keep coming. A few days after the attacks, I asked my own kids if they had any other questions and straight away it was, why? Why'd he do it? I really struggled to answer that and I wasn't the only one. He asked, why did it happen? And I didn't really know even where to start with that one. Trying to figure out the right amount to tally, really. And, and we weren't even sure about today, really, whether it was the right thing to bring her along or not. We never thought we would be in this scenario, so you never preempt what you might have to talk to your children about in relation to something that's happened in your hometown. And hard too for Muslim parents who have to explain these attacks to their children. Yes, it is a bit challenging, isn't it? Because you don't know to what extent you should discuss these things. What we try and tell them is, there are things in life that happen. You need to ignore a few things and move on. You, the more you dwell on them, it's like uh, you know, one of those survivors said that you, know, you can't be a volcano all the time with the anger and the hate. You've got to just ignore a few things and move on. You might find people abusing you on the road you know, while driving. There's a few things that happen. You just treat it as something that's happened and you move it aside and move on. You can't dwell on that for too long. Because if you dwell, you start realizing the same hate. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard because, you know, yeah, my, my son did speak to me once about terrorism and I tried to, you know, explain to him that, you know, it, 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 people have sometimes lived tough lives and then, you know, it shapes them to be whatever they are. And, yeah, but he called me the other day and he, he said to me, Dad, I told you, terrorists are bad. And that brings up another challenge. Some children will be angry about what's happened, or they might be crying from fear. How do we help them through that when we ourselves might be going through those same emotions? My daughters tell me off because I cry all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) My eight-year-old, she's quite aware. She was listening to the radio on the day witnessing us being quite emotional about the event and saddened. So she was very hyper aware of what was going on around her. I think children need to see that we are emotional beings and that, you know, this was a big deal and it was it deserves some tears. And at certain times it might deserve other emotions too, like anger or frustration or, or disbelief. As long as those emotions aren't stopping us from functioning. So you're feeling upset about it, you can take care of yourself in, the, in those feelings. A cuddle or a, taking some time means you can then calm down a bit and move out of it. Fine. But if you're finding yourself feeling overwhelmed by this stuff, you know, all of the time and it feels less under your control, then that might be a bit of an indication that not only for your children's benefit, but for yours, that it would be important to talk to someone about this. Because mm-hmm. I think kids need to get the message that this was not okay and that this was huge. But they also need to get the message that those anchor points that help me keep safe in this world haven't disappeared. Mum and dad are kind of okay, or whatever family unit I'm in. Yes, they can get upset, but they're still going to get up and get me my breakfast, or you know, get me to school on time, or get grumpy with me if I punch my brother. You know, those things that normally would happen continue to happen, because that helps me keep feeling safe about my world. Ultimately, Catherine Gallagher believes most children who weren't directly affected by the attacks should be able to process what's happened and move on. It was a scary experience. It was a shocking experience. For some people with potentially previous trauma history, it may well rev that up. 
um, and they might need some extra support. Clearly for those people directly impacted and who saw things, who heard things, who lost family members, yes, absolutely, um, there is the potential for trauma and, and, and that's just a given. But it's actually okay and, and in fact healthy for a lot of us to be able to move through this experience and learn from it and not go on the hunt for trauma because the possibility is it isn't there. But it is also healthy to take stock of how we did when we talked to our kids. My husband and I often reflect about how something went afterwards and go, oh, we probably could have done that a bit differently. But honesty has always been our family policy, and so it it just seems natural to do that. But absolutely, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to parent through. And if, like me, you sometimes look back at things you've said to your children and feel like you've stuffed it up or want to do it again, including in this situation, the good news is you can always revisit it. I think what you've just described is belonging to the universal, you know, sister and brotherhood of parenting. In other words, we all stuff up from time to time, and especially at times like these. When we're under pressure, it makes us even more likely sometimes to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. It is about that repair. It's about saying, hey, you know, I overreacted there. Or, you know, I've been thinking about it. And remember, parenting is not based on one particular moment. Parenting is based on thousands of moments. So yes, I might not have got that particularly right, but actually that's one parenting moment in the midst of many. So we have to kind of cut ourselves some slack and realise that, you know, generally we're doing okay. And that's the show. This podcast is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett. It's mixed by Adam McCauley and Tim Watkin is our executive producer. Archival audio comes to us courtesy of Na Taonga Sound and Vision. You can find other episodes of Are We There Yet on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or on the podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And while you're there, have a listen to It Takes a Village. More good parenting tips, this time from our 9 to noon show. And coming up next time on Are We There Yet? The second part in our series on the Christchurch terror attacks. Yes, we may be moving on, but we need to keep checking in with our kids, being open to ongoing questions, and considering the bigger picture of how we move on whilst better connecting with other cultures. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.